Hello, and welcome to episode three of Draft Offsides. I'm here with Tico and Enzo. My name is Keith. Um, how are you guys doing? Did you guys hear this? Because uh, the, the owner of Tottenham, right, is Joe Lewis. Did you guys hear who wants to buy Tottenham? Who wants to buy Tottenham? It's someone that has 99 problems but wants one more. Jay-Z? Jay-Z. I'm shocked that a winner like that would want to buy a club like Tottenham. That's why I'm – you know what? I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm surprised too. I was thinking more like an Ed Sheeran. Jay-Z probably said, hey, told Beyonce, I want to challenge that. It would be difficult to conquer. <laughs> And BS was like, just by Tottenham. It's like it's like his Rushmore. He's like, can I can I win here as well? Can I succeed where no one else has? Literally, no one else has. I, I beat the hood. I beat all these <laughs> things in life. But can I can I best Tottenham? Oh man! So what the Tottenham the Tottenham um, owner got busted for some sort of like for insider trading or fraud or something? Yeah, ins- insider trading and fraud. He was giving out like insider trading to his girlfriends, and they were making like. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Damn, what do I have to do to be one of his girlfriends? That's great. <laughs> I keep on dressing some makeup, bro. I don't know. Yeah, I'm in. Um, <laughs> was he, is he going to have to sell the club because of this or is it just some, something else like separately? Well, I guess like if he gets done in, I think there's going to be seizures. So I guess his bail was like 300 million. And I guess that was like one of his yachts and one of his country homes that he has. So he had to get rid of those and use those as like collateral. Oh, what a drag. If only he had like a player he could sell and make like 100 million. <laughs> Tico, do you have another rant, another messy rant or something you want to do? Or are you feeling, you feeling a little better this week? Not another messy rant, but I, have they, has he played an MLS match or it's been just those tournaments? No, he, he just won. He just scored two goals and had an assist against Atlanta. So, but was that it? Was that like the MLS or was it the one of the other MLS tournaments? That was an MLS game. So that was, I think that was his first MLS game. You know what I don't fucking like is the fact that he won't play the next game. You know why? I can't remember what team it is. It might be Phoenix or someone. They won't take off their Astro turf because they don't want to put in real turf. And into Miami will not risk Messi getting hurt. Do you think it's like going to be a strategy where they're, they're like, um, like, quick, replace all our grass with Astro turf so we don't have to play against Messi? <laughs> I remember Zlatan had the same thing where he wouldn't play uh, on the road games when it was stadiums that had turf. I think Seattle had one, uh, Portland, so he wouldn't play those games. I do not blame them. That's like, I mean, I play on AstroTurf every week and it's just, it's hard on your knees. It's just, as you get older, it's harder. If you're going to play with full cleats, that's how you get knee injuries. It's just, it's brutal. All right, let's talk about some notes and news. Um couple just a couple people have left since last time we spoke so st maximum from newcastle is gone oh, they're all they're all to saudi too or no no i guess zaha went to galatasaray and then mares is now gone sounds like mitrovic is leaving not leaving i, I heard he was practicing again but it sounds like he's not gonna gonna play for i heard his back in training but i i also read that he doesn't want to play for fulham anymore so he might just play for another team, sell him, loan him out to a different EPL team. That would be something to keep an eye out on. Yeah, very much so. It's a drag for Fulham. I mean, he was like, they literally, like, that team's like built around him. So it just sucks that he's just not going to be there for him. Well, they made their bed. They got sleeping and they know who they had. Yeah. Well, so what? So then they signed Raul Jimenez. Um, do you think he's viable to have on your team? <sighs> maybe, four, maybe four or five years ago. I mean, he was when he was good before that head injury. Exactly when he was rated at like was he like fifty million rated, sixty million rated? Now we. Man, I thought he was going to go to United. I thought he was going to be a really good player. I thought he was going to be the next kind of striker in the prem. 
How much they buy him for? Five and a half mil? Yeah. Yeah, no. Scraping the ball the barrel. I mean, but same same body type, same playing style, so he's gonna get his opportunities. Yeah, but not the same. I mean, they're the other guy, Vinicius, right? That Fulham does. That's who's another big bodied striker. So I don't know. I, I, I'm like, at first, I kind of was like, oh, uh, Jimenez might be a good pickup. But now, the more I think about it, I, f- I just feel like he's going to be getting subbed on a lot late, like that type of player, and not so much someone that you can depend on in any sort of capacity. But we'll see. The other bit of news um, United looking at signing a striker. They have that, that young kid from Atlanta, um, Rasmus Holland. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Man, Man City's got Haaland, they've got Hoyland. Hoyland, yeah, they needed, there was like the, the, the bootleg version, huh? The bootleg yeah. Holland. Close enough. One is from Norway, one is from Denmark. You know, similarity, same region, similar name. So he'd only joined Atlanta that year. So he'd only been there for a year. He's so young. I'm kind of, and they paid what? They're paying like 70 mil for him? Seems 70 crazy. million. They basically pay him 70 million. He's, he's, they're only paying him, I think, 80,000 a week. So it's a lot cheaper than their original target, which was Harry Kane. But would you rather – they spent 70 million on him, which is probably, what, maybe 30, 30 million less that they would have had to spend on Harry Kane? Do you think Tottenham would have ever sold him, sold Harry Kane to a direct rival like United, though? It would have been, had to be like 150. They're not a direct rival. They did, but they didn't even like even test the waters. They are a direct rival, top six club. All right, top six club. But they're not. They didn't even test the waters. Like, like Hog went in there and said, "I want Harry Kane," and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh no, wait, Daniel Levy, let's go for this little kid that only scored nine goals in thirty-seven games last season, and let's see what he can be in the future." They took a big risk. They took a big risk. Yeah, I kind of agree. I'm curious to see how it goes. I mean, the one thing I will say is that, you know, like, look at look at how much t- playing time Van Winghorst got last season. I think Ken Hogg is going to play this kid a lot. Even if it takes a while to get used to the league, even if he's not, like, great from the rip, I think he's still going to get a lot of playing time. So kind of with that in mind, where do you think he where do you where do you think he's going to go in drafts if he if he signs this week? Well, also interested in the impact he has on Rashford because he plays up top, so does Rashford. So do they move Rashford out on the wing on the left side? Yeah, I think the general sense is that Rashford is better like coming in off the left a little bit, right? So like Rashford, he's not as like dominant as a striker as much as he is like a left forward almost. What do you guys think about Hall and Light for United? Where do you think he'll be drafted? Do you think he's going to go like late second, early third, or what do you think? Man United player, Man United fans going to pick him up, thinking he's the uh, you know best thing since sliced bread. Yeah, I have a feeling that none of us will have a chance at him. You know what I mean? Like, I think the the place in the draft where I feel comfortable drafting him, there's going to be a United fan that's already drafted him in most drafts. I feel like exactly, and if I feel like. You want to draft a player like this where it runs good enough for you to take a gamble on players because there's no more good enough players on the board left. But like you said, a lot of fans and forward is such a scarce position. So I feel like it won't last until end of the third round. It's not He's not going to make it into the fourth. Yeah, I agree. I think if, I, if he was sitting around at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth, I'd snap him up. But I, yeah, I agree. I don't think he's going to be there in most most leagues. I would also, if I get the first pick in, or second, if I end up with Holland, I'll draft this guy too, just because I can make both of them combine and super you team. Just need, you just need one more guy with the last name H. You can be the you can name your team Triple H and have a little WWE, much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> WWE <laughs> reference there for you. Um, last bit of news is there's a rumor that Mbappe is in, is in talks with Liverpool and PSG about a potential loan, one year loan. Um, 
I mean, and who knows, like, right, like how realistic that is. Just curious, where does Mbappe go in the draft if this happens? This goes through the next week. Second, first overall. He he be he be he be first like first or second. But like, you got to think. You said this in the last episode. He doesn't want to go anywhere that hasn't got Champions League. Did he get Champions League? No. Did he get Champions League? No. Yeah, they finished fifth. Yeah, I guess you're right. Do you think? Uh, but do you think he goes? Do you think he goes first, second, or third for sure? Yeah. Why yeah, wouldn't he? Has he? To, right? He has, he has to. to. No one wants to make the same mistake we made last time and give freaking Tico Holland a fifth. Yeah. True. Fair enough. No. Yeah. He definitely goes top three. Also. It's with that team, high pace is also an entertaining player to watch. From my first round, I like playing a, uh, I like drafting a player that I like watching them play the team. So obviously, who doesn't like playing or watching Liverpool and Mbappe play uh, football? So that would be, I agree. That'd be so exciting. That'd just be so exciting to have Mbappe in the Premier League, even just for a year, see what he could do. You know, um, but yeah, that's that's he'll, very yeah, unlikely. He'll be in Madrid. Very unlikely. He'll be in Madrid. He'll probably be in Madrid. All right, moving on. So let's talk a little bit preseason. Um, I feel like it's so interesting with preseason because there's so much like – it is an indicator on how a team's doing, but it's also you can't really put too much weight into it, right? Is that is – that, do you guys kind of feel the same way? Yeah, it's, it's preseason, man. Like I got so many Arsenal fans going off because they beat Barcelona 5-3. It's a fucking preseason game, man. Also went in there like it was a cup final. I watched the game. They were like going – 100 percent they weren't using it as like a preseason let's get ready they're like this is barcelona this is a cup final we're gonna destroy him xavi was not happy about it huh no he wasn't what i mean you're playing a game these guys are playing for their careers you know this they gotta show off so i get it i also think the way arsenal finished last year uh they probably have the approach and the mentality hey even preseason every single game we have to give it everything we have so they're just informed throughout the whole season but yeah, the preseason I don't count for much, especially since Barcelona destroyed Real Madrid 3-0. So I just throw it out there. I can't believe I'm going to say this. They didn't destroy Real Madrid. I watched that game too. And Madrid was smashing it off the crossbar, the post. I think one came off to Sturgeon's back of his head. It was so lucky. Like, that was it. Like, if only they had a striker like Mbappe. Yeah, only. Only family. I don't know. I, I, the one thing I will say about preseason is that there's certain players. Like I, I was watching. Like for example, obviously I'm watching a lot of the Chelsea preseason. Is there's that guy Nicholas Jackson who we weren't that we were uncertain about, and he's had a really good preseason, and it's made everyone a little bit more excited. It doesn't mean he's going to be great in the prem, but I think it means that he's going to be starting games. And like when we didn't know that he was going to be, we didn't just didn't know what that was going to look like. And then I look at someone like Mason Mount, who, what, they've had four preseason games, no goals, no assists for Mount, playing a little bit deeper. Just And I'm like, oh, I probably would not draft Mount in the top three rounds now, just after watching him in preseason. Like, not, it's not like the end-all, be-all. I don't think he's going to be bad, but I'm just thinking, like, oh, it might take a little bit longer for them to get used to it. I was just going to ask, is Nicholas Jackson going to be the starting striker for Chelsea? I mean, at the rate that he's been scoring and what it's been looking like, I think he probably will be. You think he's ahead of Madweki, Sterling, and Broha? Um, I don't think Madweki and Sterling are going to play in that central striker role. I think, and I think Broha's coming off injury. Broha's not even in the preseason. Oh, was so he I think, not? I thought he was. No. I, he was so I mean, if there's a chance Nkunku plays in that ten, but he'd rather play in the nine. I mean, but he'd rather play in the ten. So I think it's. I think it's going to be Jackson for now. So I mean, th- those are just little indicators, you know. And then like Tro- Trossard, well, he scored two. 
Bro. Scored two or three. He's looked pretty I, good. He might be their answer up front. Like I was talking to one of my cousins. He's a big Arsenal fan. And like, honestly, if, if Jesus did go out, like Trossard's the man they put up there. Like he can, he can do it. He's he's already accomplished. He's already, you already know. I can't be even saying this. I hate it. Hurts inside me saying it. But Trossard, he's class, man, and he could play up front for us. I think he could do some damage, especially with that team, the way it works, because he doesn't mind doing a little one-two, give and go, and giving up a goal. But then he can shoot from out wide, which you saw that already in that last game. Yeah, he impressed me. According to my sources uh, that I spoke with at Arsenal. Uh, the chemistry is better with Tristard and Gabriel Martinelli is a player that if he doesn't start off well or he's struggling, Tristard might take over his position as well. Keith, ask the question. Ask the question. Who are your sources at uh, Arsenal? Because <laughs> we're, we're all very curious. curious. I, I cannot disclose my sources. I'm sorry. I just cannot disclose my sources. All right. Yeah. I guess we'll just let that lie. I don't want to dig They listen to the podcast. It's Sergey. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna confirm more than that. It's his brother who's an Arsenal fan. That's his source. <laughs> That's what it is. That's funny. Uh, any other people on your radar from preseason that you guys have any kind of excited about or off? Like, I mean, I think that one of the funniest things was like it was obviously a few weeks ago, but like Havertz, like they, it was like the MLS game, and he like missed. There was like they did the crossbar challenge, and he was the only player in history to miss every single one. So that was pretty funny. You couldn't even control the fucking ball, man. You're a professional yeah. football player. No pressure around you. No one touch. No nothing. But he did have a good goal in the... I think he had a, a volley goal in the game. He did. Yeah. Against against the you know, MLS All-Stars. So, um, for what it's worth. I can't be able to say this again about another Arsenal player. Timber. That Jurian Timber. Arsenal player. He looks good. Do you think he's going to start now. every game? Do you think he's the like way, nailed in? I think he, he looks good. I think he's 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 a strong like because look, tell me Asu's injury prone, <clears throat> right? Jurian Tim is the right back. Am I right? Tell me Asu's like, right back. Yeah. So he's he, Tommy Asu's injury prone. I, I like Tommy Asu. I wanted him at Tottenham when it, when it was going about, but I think Jurian Timber and a funny one for me, uh, Romeo Beckham. I would love to see what he does at Brentford. So that's another one I've been looking at. So has he been playing? In the preseason? I don't know. It's, it's just the name. I saw it. Just want the shirt. Just for the Beckham shirt on a Brentford freaking jersey. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Good. I, I like well, – I watched one of the Chelsea games where Nkuko was playing uh, as the, the, the tendril. I thought he he was impressive. He was doing well. I think he scored on the, in that game. I just don't remember who they played against. Uh, and especially since he could play the nine role as well, I think Nkuko might be a good player to kind of keep an eye on um, just because he's going to get the opportunities. I agree. I know that was one of Enzo's hates, but I, I'm kind of he's been creeping up because of preseason. Because I think he he um, he's been finding his feet pretty quickly. And so are you are you uh, still feeling like he's not? Is, is he still a hater? Have you kind of? Uh... I'm not gonna do a tico and do you know say one thing about what player and say another. I'm gonna stick to my guns. I don't think that he's gonna do as well in his first season. Maybe his second season, not his first season. So more information does not change your uh, opinion. All right, right. Look, look, you want me to bring it up? Reese James, okay? Just don't, don't, no. Love Reese James. <laughs> he's also risky business. <laughs> For most of this episode, we're gonna talk about like um, our rankings, but more from like positional tiers than from like a strict like one through 100. So we kind of just wanna talk about the positions and who kind of fits where and what kind of levels we're comfortable with. And the way tiered ranking is, is like you kind of break it up. Like these are the top three strikers and you got 
they're give and take. These guys are pretty interchangeable. Then like the next range underneath that, and then finding the range underneath that. And it's just a good way to think about it when you're drafting. So um, I guess we'll kind of get into it. I think with we'll start with forwards. And when you look at forwards, there's you know we don't there's not really much you can say about the top three, right? The top there's like a tier that's just kind of on its own. And I don't think anyone would really argue that it's Erling Holland, Mosala, Harry Kane. Right. If, if if Harry Kane stays, he's in that top tier. I think you could make an argument for any of them being your number one. Probably Holland is probably the guy. Kane could you could make that argument, but I think where it starts getting interesting is kind of in those the next few tiers, right? So tier two, um, Tico Enzo. Do you guys have anyone other than Jesus Rashford Son? Is there? Is that kind of where you guys are too? In t- in tier two. Yeah. If you're going to just go by forwards, like actual strikers, um, like, and again, Premiership's so crazy because you've got wingers in there because, like, Salah's not really a forward. He's a winger. Uh, but you've got, like, Wilson, Rashford, Ollie Watkins. Like, Ollie had a great season last season. So I put them in the, the next tier. You put, yeah, you put Ollie in the next tier as well. I think that's a fair one shout. He's, he's my, in my third tier, he's like my top guy. I also have the Liverpool trio. I want to, you know, get your you guys' opinion on that as well. Obviously, you know, they have Salah who's going to get it. Firmino left up top, so it's. I feel like it's going to be a rotation roller coaster of who plays or who's the uh, most informed player. But I feel like N- N- Darwin Nunes is the one I would probably go from the three of those, just because I feel like Klopp favors him. He's always talking him up, and he gets the opportunity. He gets the playing time. So I would, uh, I would. Kind of have Nunez in tier two. You so okay. So that's a that's kind of my big question for the forwards. So it's like it's Luis Diaz, Darwin Nunez, Cody Gapka, Gapko. So where are you? So you're you're going Nunez. He, you think that's the one you'd pick if you had to choose between those three? That's the one you'd go you'd go for. Yeah, yeah, and, and especially since I had Luis Diaz last year and he was just injured the whole year. So you, you kind of got burned. You got burned a little bit. Yeah, he was my second or third round pick, and uh, you know, never again. He, I'm not drafting him. And so, how do you feel? Is there, of those three, who's the one that you would most likely draft? I would go with Diaz. Um, just Diaz and Salah work really well on those wings, and with Gakpo up front, they just work. They're interchangeable. Um, Darwin just has a has a touch like a brick foot, like Lukaku, in my opinion. So I don't really trust Nunes. I think he's great athletically, but I don't think he's going to be that that top three all the time. See, that's pretty funny because I think I, if I had to choose between the three, I'd go Gak, Gakpo. So it's funny that we all have a different one that we really think would be the best. I think my reasoning is I think Diaz and and uh, Nunez like, don't really play as much as a central striker, so I think there's more chance that they are going to alternate. I think Diaz, just coming off that injury might take a little while to get acclimated. I think Gakpo was, since he came in at the second half of last season, was like just kind of like like uh, really solid and kind of like was a really strong focal point for Liverpool. So I think he's the most likely to start the most amount of games. You know, so just from like a consistency, consistency standpoint, I think he might be the, he's my choice. Okay, so just based off the playing time, uh, I feel like maybe we, we should think of some kind of a wager uh, for end of the year between the those three forwards. See who has the best. I like that. Yeah, we'll figure something I, out. I like that. I mean, we'll just we'll figure out we'll figure out the cost of the wager. But I think that's a good. Let's do a let's do a shake on that. See who wins, who wins that that battle. That's a good one. So I, okay, so that's inter- I think I, I mean I I don't think you can really go wrong with any of them. I think it's just my issue and my fear is that 
you're going to have to draft one of them in what the second round and to, to get a guy in the second round who's not going to start every single game is like not ideal it's going to be all about form so would you rather have what a chelsea forward instead of one of those uh three liverpool forwards in kunku i would not Nicholas Jackson, but Nkunku I would, because I think Nkunku is going to start almost every single game that he's fit and available. And I don't think I think there's I think one of these guys isn't, and maybe two of them aren't because there's there's Jota too, and so then you're just in this spot where you just you just can't really afford to have your second round draft pick like not starting games, you know. So I'm a little like I'm a little leery of them to be honest with you, all three. But I know that I know two of them are going to be great. Maybe all three of them will be great. You know, so it's definitely a, it's definitely a sticky spot to be in. And then um, let's kind of move on. What's the so from the forwards? Where where's like the line that you guys draw? Where you're like, okay, if I don't get this guy, anyone below this, like I'm not, I'm really not happy. Like I'm very unhappy. Does that make sense? Like, uh, I think uh, Halan, Kane, uh, Mosala, obviously, Jesus, Rashford. I think those are the ones. If you have any of those forwards, that that means you're set in that position. You could start them every week. So if you, I have any of those, I would be happy. If those are, players are not off the uh, on the board any, anywhere, I might just go midfield uh, because I feel like midfield just contributes more to fantasy. That's what I learned last year. So I think I would just go midfield heavy and then just play the positions. You could pick up a forward down the you know uh, and the later rounds. Obviously, not as good, not as productive. But you could just get people and just plug and plug and play like Anthony Alvarez, uh, just players of those caliber. So you're kind of willing if you don't get like the elite elite, you're willing to just like get some strong mids and just kind of get lucky on the back end. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's like you if you're not going to get the elite striker you want, you want to try to get elite at least the elite midfielder, like either a career or a goal scorer from the wing. You have to in your first one or two picks. You don't want to just get yourself a bum who's not going to do anything for you. Those first two picks are going to be your bulk of your scoring that you want it to come from, and everything else is just filler. I feel like I'm in the I'm in a place where I would be happy with you know Jesus Rashford's son, and then I'd be happy with Ollie Watkins. I'd be happy with Isak. I'd be happy with Christopher and Kunku. So I'm I'm like you know I'm like maybe top ten strikers, and then after that I kind of agree. Like I. I would just again like going back to the Liverpool thing. I would just hate to pick one of those guys as my first striker off the board. Well, it's funny if you look at the top ten strikers from last year. Two of them probably won't even be in the league this year. So it really like goal scorer wise. So you had Haaland, Kane, Tony, Salah, Wilson, Rashford, Oli, Marnelli, Odegaard, and Mitrovic. But like Tony's not going to be playing for six months. Mitrovic is probably out the door. So then you're left with like Ferguson from Brighton. Jesus from Arsenal, uh, Nunez from Liverpool. So you, you really don't have like a top 10. You've got like some subs in there. So you're saying you, you pick those up instead of like, obviously you wouldn't, but would you, I'm going further down the list of midfielders. Would you rather pick up like Ferguson instead of say Gibbs White? You know what I mean? Like, would you rather pick him up before that? Oof. No, I think I'd probably go Gibbs White. I think you're right. Also for forwards, I feel like it's the position that is the largest uh, point disparity from like the, for example, like last year, I'm looking at it right now. Harry Kane had 624 points. The 10th highest scoring forward had half of that. So the drop off is pretty significant. And then you have a bunch of people who are like around the 300 point range, 250 to 300, where you can kind of pick and choose them, get a player. 
Uh, whereas for midfield, it's more kind of clustered together. So uh, there's more higher tier player and it's a gradual drop off. So you could still get more quality people that will give you more points at the end of the year. Yeah, fair enough. Personally, think that I want to get a striker in the first two rounds. I'm just there. I think that if I, if that if it doesn't fall that way, I'm probably not picking one up until a while back. Because I think I I think I'm skipping on the whole like Willian, Anthony, Raheem Sterling, Callum Wilson. Like I don't I don't want to. I don't. That's not the area I'm trying to get a forward in. You know, I want to just. I'd rather just have some lottery picks. You know, Rich Arlson, Jota. You know. Nicholas Jack trying at Nicholas Jackson for Chelsea, just like try and stock up on some midfielders and a few like a good defender, and then go that way. Yeah, it's the most scarce position forwards. If you can't get something in the first round, then most likely you're not going to get someone who's elite. All right. Um, so I kind of we kind of already talked about a little bit, but this new Man United striker, would you feel like he's an elite? Would he be considered an elite striker to you if he comes in? No. He got nine goals in 32 games, Brad Lano and Serie A. And that's a Serie A. I don't think he's elite. Um, he's not proven yet. He's young. Again, in a couple of years from now, when he starts understanding English football and how it, how it works in the Premiership, maybe he might get better. But I don't think he's worth 64 million. Bloody hell. And does this Holland over, all over again? I hope it. Uh, you know what? Maybe. But Haaland was proven. At least he was banging in goals left, right, and center for Dortmund. You know what I mean? And he was playing for a top team in Germany. This guy was playing for Atlanta. He's, he's not one of the best. He's not one of the worst teams, but he ain't one of the best teams either when you think of still up. Okay, I have a question for you. If, you, uh, if you're on the board and Brian and Bembo from Brentford is there and this new this new United kid, Holland, is there, who would you rather have? I, I don't know. I, I, and Bembo is going to get you, what, maybe eight, ten goals? This kid could have a freaking duck. And not score anything. How many did where was it Wayhorst? How many did he get for Man United? Very few. I looked at his like points per start, and they were like laughably low considering he played for United. And he's a similar similar build to Wayhorst. Like he's a big kid. He's like six foot three. Um, is he going to be quick? Is he is he going to be in the six yard box trying to get headers? Is Man United that team where they cross the ball into the six yard box? I don't remember them doing it that much last season. It was more through balls in. You know what I mean? To Rashford or to whoever they had on the wing, to Anthony. Have you guys watched a whole gen play often or you haven't? I haven't watched him play, so that's what I'm saying. But I'm going by what I've seen on paper. Nine goals in 32 games isn't good. So you think he's going to score less than 10 goals in the Premier? Yeah. Okay. Because I didn't watch the kid play a lot. Love his name. Uh, 6'3", big physical player. I watched his highlights. This guy is just making every shot he makes. What, the all nine of them? All nine of them. All nine of them. He's pretty good link up play. His link up play is pretty good. So he does. He dribbles seems to be quick uh, for his size, moves well. Honestly, I, I I would draft him. I would. I'd rather draft him than let's say Anthony or Alvarez from Manchester City. Richard Richard listen if Kane uh, stays. I'd rather have Holgen than. Uh, You'd rather have Holgen than Richarlson if Kane stays. I agree. But if Kane leaves, would you rather have Richarlson? I probably would. But uh, the problem with him is whenever he scores, if he takes his jersey off, he's just going to get a yellow. <laughs> Two little pigeon dots. And then we get to see him dance. That's funny. That's a tough one, man. Like I said, May and I took a risk. And and um, am I going to doubt him? Like, Ten Hag knows what he's doing. Like, Eric knows what he's doing. He's building a team right now, so... 
he didn't get what he again though did he really get what he wanted which I don't think he did I think he scores 10 to 15 goals you you do I would I would make a bet with you that it's under 15 goals but over 10 I'll make a bet on the 10 goals I'll take the 10 goal but not How about 12 and a half let's make a let's call the line at 12 and a half goals what do you think about that 11 and a half but no I can't do that my accountant told me I can't make that bet how about 12? 12 is a push. Let's do 12 uh, over and under 12. 12 is a push? Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. I got a question for you, Tico. Oli Watkins or, or Hoyland? There's only one right answer. There's only one right answer. Uh, what, Watkins? Yes. That's the right answer. He had 15 goals and six assists last season in the Premiership. He's great. I think he's going to, I think he's like, I think he might be the top, he might be like a top five striker. Well, he was six last year. Okay. So I'm not saying anything that isn't, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, shh. Okay, how about this? I think he could be like the, he could be top. He could be right behind Erling Holland, I think. I think he's that good. I think if Solid drops off a little bit or there's a little more rotation in Liverpool, Kane leaves, who else can really, who could, you know, I think he's, he could be the guy. And he's still, he's not that old either. No, he's, he's young. Yeah, I mean, then looking at the forwards, I mean, other than that, there's some interesting names. I think Rich Arlson gets really interesting if Kane leaves. I think he, Shoots up to third round, fourth round, end of first round, every second. Yeah, and then um, I think Diego dropped the. I I mean, honestly, getting him like in the what the fifth, sixth, something like that. Like I don't even know around. I that to me is almost more interesting than the other three Liverpool guys getting them them in the second round. You know, getting that like because I just think that he could be, you know, he could just for where you pick him up and the amount of points he's going to get, I think could be a better value than. A better return than one of the than like rolling the dice on one of the three Liverpool guys in the in the second round. All right, so let's keep moving. Unless you have something else, Tico. No, I I was I wanted to touch to touch bases on uh, Julian Alvarez from Man City. Do you guys think he gets more playing time uh, this coming year? Maybe some playing time on the wing. Uh, he's playing too much of Pep's door, isn't he? So I don't, I don't think so. What's that? Isn't he good? Isn't he going out of Pep's door? Another one. First it was Deli Ali and now it's Julian Alvarez. I did not know that. Is that is that truth? Hey man, I get all the tea, bro. I get all the tea. Wow, that seems like just a bad idea going out with your coach's daughter. Like I, I that does that is not just. I don't know if I was his manager or something. I would be like, do not do that. I think it was Alexander. I think it was Alex. Alexander Pato was dating the owner's uh, AC Milan's owner's daughter. I think that's why they messed up his knee. And is that why? Is that why he's like playing in obscurity in Brazil now? Just got ruined, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, no, I, I do think he gets more playing time this year, and uh, Alvarez, just because with Mara's leaving the right wing, it leaves open for maybe rotation, and he could come on, play, uh, play some, get some minutes there. I know whenever Holland uh, used to score a hat trick in the first half, they would put in Alvarez. He was good for a good uh, goal or two, uh, and. He's one of those players that Pep wanted him on the squad. So usually when Pep gets someone, he gives him playing time. Yeah. Yeah, it's just hard for me to like wrap my head around like Holland and Alvarez both playing at the same time. Like I know they did that a little bit last year. Oh, and I know they played with a front two a little bit, but I, I don't know. I just I, I don't I don't see it. I don't see him playing more than start I don't see him starting more than 15, 18 games. He's not. That's not Man City football. They don't play to up front. Like that, that striker, like Haaland, had to learn it. It, it, it took him a while. Don't get me wrong. He's still backing goals at the beginning of the season. But you could see when he was coming back to come retrieve the ball, like 
deeper in the midfield. He was getting yelled at by Pep because that's not his job. Don't cluster up the midfield. His job is to make runs and pull defenders left and right until that right ball goes in and he gets a tap in. So playing two up front isn't going to work with the way Man City plays. Yeah, and I also think too with an Alvarez, like there's just so many games he's not going to start, and then you can't start him on your fantasy team if he's not starting the game, you know. So then you're just kind of in the spot where even if he does come on and score two goals, you don't get you you're not starting him, and you're just like okay, sick. Like so he might have good points by the end of the year, but it'll just be like it's impossible for you to trust using him. I think the one difference is if Holland gets injured, which last year he avoided any injury, but pretty much every year before that he's had injury issues. If Holland goes down for any period of time, Julian Alvarez is like a freaking slam dunk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I was thinking they might play him on the not two forwards, play Alvarez on the right side. So uh, on the wing in the 4-3-3 up top uh, in uh, Mars's place. Uh, I thought it's something that Pep might experiment. I also just pulled up pictures of Pep's daughter. Worth the risk. <laughs> Worth the risk. <laughs> <laughs> oh man I don't think he plays on the wing man you got Foden why wouldn't you not just put Foden there instead if you're going to rotate yeah you have Foden you have that guy Cole Palmer who played really well for England who's really coming up I think he's going to get a lot of playing time I also I think City has, is going to sign one more guy I think they're going to sign one more player didn't what, uh, fall out of a rotation last year a little bit, but I mean, I, he had like appendicitis or something. He had some health thing that really set him back, and then it kind of he never quite got back like fully into the squad after that. Yeah, Man City is going to buy someone else because they all they got so far. If you look at who they bought, it's just Kovacic. They, and if you look at look at how many people they've given up and let go, it's only Kovacic they brought in. So there's going to be some money being spent. Money being spent. I know. I feel like there's, you know, there's going to be a lot of last minute um, transfers this year, which I think will just be chaotic for the beginning of the season. Okay, let's kind of slide over to the midfield. Um, when you look at the midfield here, you know, I think there's that tier. The that first tier is Bruno Fernandes, Kevin De Bruyne. Can't really argue those two. In that second tier, there's like Saka, Odegaard, Madison, Martinelli. Are they? I think they're kind of. I think Grealish could be. In, you can make an argument for Foden, maybe, maybe not. Matoma, I think, is interesting. You don't have Saka as tier one. I don't, I think he just doesn't make the cut. I think he's like in that next level for me. I don't know. I think you could. I could see it. You can, you think he's Saka's up there with KDB and Bruno Tico in your mind? I I think so. Uh, just based off the performance last year, he started picking up more goal scoring towards the end of the year, and I think he's just going to get more comfortable, more confident, and I do think he will produce as well. Similar with Odegaard, Odegaard was producing, putting up good numbers as well, but uh, his career arc has been kind of interesting. It's kind of been a lot up, up and down on injuries as well, so I'm a fan of Odegaard, but because of that factor, I would put him on Tier 2, but I would put Saka definitely Tier 1. Okay, so Saka missed another penalty in preseason. Do you think if he's off penalties... Does that change your mind at all? If he if he gets off penalties, if, if he someone else starts taking penalties for Arsenal, uh, it, it all depends. I don't know how many penalty goals he had last year. Yeah, if it was, you know, if it was like five of them, then you know, obviously that's a huge difference. But uh, if it was one or two, um, but who else would take their penalties there? It would probably be what a Jesus. If, yeah, I think there's uh, several on. players: like Odegaard, Jesus. Um, yeah, I mean, Xhaka would have, but he's gone now, so. 
it's it's just more different between tier one and tier two. We know this already. Like tier one and tier two, it's such a tight difference. It's not it's not disrespect to any of those players in tier two. They're still like class. That matters being in, in tier two would make sense also. But you know what I mean? Like it could be across. It's all about form. But the ones you know that are going to perform week in week out, tier one and tier two. And this kind of goes back to what I was talking about as far as the midfield being more deep. Whereas I feel like if you get someone from tier two for, as a midfielder, you're still very happy. Whereas a tier two forward is going to be significant drop off from tier one to tier two. Whereas the midfield, it's more uh, the difference is more cl- closer to each other. Yeah, I agree. I think it's like even um, I think we're forward just like tier one through three. I'm kind of tier one and two. I'm happy. I think with the midfield, it's like tier four. I'm not even mad. Like. You know, like if I if I get if I go like four defender and then from third round comes around and like Morgan Gibbs White is there, like sure I'll take it, knowing that I have like a rock solid forward and like Trent, you know, like I'd be happy with that. Yeah, there's a couple, man. There's a couple like Tillemans for Villa. I wouldn't mind picking them up a little bit later. You know what I mean? Like new team. I know it's a new team and everything, but the way that Villa's going and with Emery, Emery playing Emery ball, like uh, him, Diaby for Villa also, like Villa's Villa's gonna be looking good, man. I feel if they can get like gelled and connected, it's gonna be a good team. And they, some of those players are gonna go late. And there's gonna be another gem in there that someone's gonna pick up late, like in the 14th, 15th round. I think it's gonna put up some numbers. Yeah, you're hot on Villa. I'm 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 Rob, I'm just looking at the players they picked up. It's just and it's Emery. Emery, no, you know Emery in Europe. Like he's successful. The only team like he didn't do well with was was Arsenal. That's the only That's one. Think about everyone else. All right, I have a question for you guys. Of the mids that are either joining a new team or are on a team that has a new coach, who from like their draw, like from where they're being drafted, like around, who do you think is the safest and who do you think is the riskiest? So it's guys like Madison Barnes. Uh, that new Liverpool player, Slobosly, I don't know, is that right? Mount, McAllister, Rice, Kulisevsky, um, Tielemans. I think Madison's probably a really safe bet because you know what he does in the Premier League. He's going to do that regardless of if the team playing well or playing or playing badly. We saw that at Leicester for years. Uh, he's probably going to be a safe bet. The risky one's probably going to be Kulisevsky because he was injured half the season last season. So you don't know what's going to happen. Um, McAllister, in my opinion, is another risky one because is he going to be as productive at Liverpool or be given the chance to be as productive with all that talent around him where he doesn't have to do? Um, but like, there's some there's some good ones in there. Do you think Madison's going to score as many goals for Tottenham as he did last year? Um, I don't think he's going to score as many goals, but I might, do I think he's going to have more assists? I think he will. See. I'm on the uh, opposite, and I think McAllister is a safe bet because uh, just Klopp says some favors midfielders, and uh, with the up, I think he's going to have a lot of more assists. And Klopp just has a history of getting more out of midfielders. Some of the midfielders he's he's managed, especially back in when he was in Dortmund, all of them had career years under uh, under his management, under his spell, and they go somewhere else and they kind of fall off. So. I do like uh, Klopp as a manager. He's probably one of my all-time favorite, one of my all-time favorite managers, and I like his system. I think McAllister will uh, is pr- for me. McAllister is a safe bet. So then, how do you guys feel about Slobosly? He's going in like he's going like the third round. He's like going very early in a lot of drafts I've been looking at. To me, that's like crazy. Third round, yeah. He's a good player, but I'm he's a good player. But I just when I look at what how Liverpool. Um, like play their midfield. I'm not seeing like a ton of goal scoring opportunities 
for those midfielders, just with the front three they have. I think it's going to be a lot more of an industrial role. I just, I, to me, he's risky for where he's getting drafted. I think I look at him and I look at Mount and I look at McAllister and I'm like, yeah, the names are big. They're exciting transfers. I, I think I pass on all three of those guys. Yeah, for, for the if you're saying they're going in the third round, I um, I wouldn't. I'm all, always hesitant to draft a player that comes to the new team, new league, um, especially coming to the EPL where everything is just faster, more uh, more pressure, uh, more physical. Uh, so I'm more hesitant on drafting that. I'd rather take a chance on someone who played it in the Premier last year and just draft them instead of just taking a gamble on that, especially in the third round. Yeah, the one that I am interested in is Harvey Barnes. I think he is good, and I think that Newcastle team's exciting, and I think he's going to be a, a good pickup. And if you can get him in the fourth, fifth round, like, oh, my God, that is a that is a come up. There's a couple more, man. Like, Redmond's back in the league. He's playing for Burnley. Right, he's just come back. He, Nathan Redmond. Yeah, Nathan Redmond's back, man. Um, is, he, and is, he, is he classified as a mid? Because he essentially plays like a forward. I think he's classified as a mid this season. I think he played a deeper role when he went went to, uh, was he at Greece? And then Dan Juma, I think that's another one. Um, Dan Juma, he's, we had him at Tottenham for a little bit. He's at Everton. I think like he could be a, a sleeper also. He can produce, create. So we'll see. I think also like we talked about it earlier, but like Trossard, I think that's very interesting. I think he's a good player to add and stash. He's going to get the playing time, and if one of those people gets injured or someone falls out of form, you know he's going to produce. Um, you mentioned Mount. Mount is someone I would not touch. Uh, Declan Rice. Um, I don't think just defensive midfielders bring a lot of value. So unless you get him like super late or you're, you're an Arsenal fan, <laughs> makes sense. Um, but Rice, I think Rice would just get more points this year than last year, just based off of he's on a better team. They're going to get more uh, wins, more clean sheets, so that's just going to add to his point total. But as far as like contribution, uh, contributing to a goals assist, not going to be much of a difference. What mid? Uh, what mid in the first like f- you know, fifteen twenty guys? Are you like just like there's no way you're touching him? Is there anyone that you're just like there's just total hands off, like there's just no interest whatsoever? Well, like Tonali. I, I love Tonali. Well, yeah, but he's not going in the first 20 mids. You don't think so? No way. Who's the first 20 mids? Let me look at you. Uh, like 10, Gibbs White, Elise, Eze, Jared Bowen, Harvey Barnes, Silver Slide, Dwight McNeil, Mason Mount, Kulisevsky, Pascal Gross, Alexa McAllister. Like, Tonali's not even in the top. Tonali's like not even in the top 30, I feel like. Ooh. Of, of players I'm going to draft, midfielders I'm going to draft. No, because he plays so he plays so far back. He's like a it's like a six slash eight. When you can get like Trossard, you can get Andreas Pereira, even Alex Awobi on freaking Everton. I'd rather have him than Tonali. Yeah, I like Awobi's good, but like, would you not? I know we spoke a lot about not picking up defensive midfielders, but would we not even look at picking up defensive midfielders like for anything? No, you, you definitely want to. Uh, they're they're going to be drafted, but I I don't think you know they're going to be the first midfielders you draft. I think you get to defensive midfielders when you already have maybe three midfielders on your team. Your lineup is kind of set, and you're building your bench. Um, I know I had Casemiro last year. He was he was producing points. It's just he was also getting red cards left and right, which it was straight red too. So he missed I think like five or six games just because of a straight red that he got. Um, so that's when I would get um, Rodri. 
I would also draft him as my, you know, fourth or fifth mid. Uh, fifth mid, not fourth. And same thing with Rice. I think the defensive midfielders are should be around like your fifth midfielder. I agree. I think the, the trick is with midfielders is you kind of want to like hack it and you want to get the midfielders that are really more like forwards, right? That should, those be, should be the ones that you're really looking at. Yeah. And like, I'd rather have one of those guys, like an Andres Pereira, out, like, like that, than I would like some hardworking six or an, you know, or even like an eight, you know, I'd rather have like Jaden Sancho than a lot of like other guys, just cause you know that when he plays, he's going to be playing essentially as a forward. You know, even though he's classified as a midfielder. Yeah. So those guys are way higher up than me. So is there anyone like the top, kind of going back to that question, is there anyone in the top 15, 20, 25 that you're like, I look at it and I'm like, I have no desire. Like Mason Mount, I have no desire to draft. Sully March, I'm interested in, but it's just like, he would have to drop a little bit for me to be interested. Sobosly, I'm probably not going to draft. I'm not going to draft him in the, in the third round. Um, I would stay away from... Uh... Kuloveski, he was, I think his average draft is showing right now it's fourth round, 41st, uh, which I I would I would stay away from that one. And so as your uh, as the Hotspur expert, what, what yeah, do you I'd think? Yeah, I would stay away from for now. It'll be a nice little gem later on, but if he's in form and stays fit. But yeah, Kuloveski, I'd probably stay away from. He's just, um, after that first great season he had, it just faded away last season mostly due to injury, but he can never get back into the team. But whenever he was in there, it was quite exciting. So we also don't know how Ange Postacoglu is going to like play. Like, is he going to be playing as like a, like a wide forward or is he going to be playing as like an eight, you know, like Kulisevsky. I'm not sure how, what his like position is going to be under Ange. Well, he's going to play the four, three, three. Um, if you really think about it, like he's going to, obviously he's going to be sun on one side and it's going to be either Richarlison or Kulu on the right. Is my opinion. So, so is Madison playing in the? He's playing as as the one of the as like the one of the three. Yeah, I think he plays in one of the second, the the first three. So you're gonna have um, Matters. Uh, I don't even know if we're gonna even have Hoiberg at the end of the season. He's he's been wanting to leave. So and Benton call when he gets back. So that gives more opportunity for him to create. And then we need that older midfielder. And then obviously, if when Benton gets back, he's the one who's gonna be more like an eight, where he's a box to box and matters will be more forward. I would also stay away from Enzo Fernandez. You could just never trust an Enzo. They're not reliable. Can't trust them. Enzos, just stay away from Enzos. That's my draft advice. I like Enzo Fernandez. So fuck you. Um you. <laughs> I, I get it too with him. I like I don't know, I just watched the Chelsea game is on right now and he just missed like a freaking sitter. <laughs> but um <laughs> I don't know. I just he he hasn't like we'll see if Poach can Pooch can unlock him, but I he hasn't he does a really good job in the midfield, but he's not doing a really good job in like this like making impactful like goals creating goal scoring opportunities. So yeah, so we'll see. Okay, next next kind of thing is uh, who are you like who do you so like I think when also when you start looking at the midfield, you start looking at players like okay if someone went down, like this guy would be like next up and would be really good. So I look at like. Trossard, I look at Jaden Sancho, you know, some of those guys. I think same with like if like Kulisevsky, if like if Son goes down or something, you know, there's even Mount if like Rashford goes down and play he plays on the left. Who is who is the most opportunity from an injury to be like a top twenty guy, do you think? You already said it, Trossard. 
Big Trossard. Yeah, that's Big Trossard. Sancho, I think, is a freaking amazing player. He just had some bad luck at Man United, man. But if this Hoyland kid doesn't work out, like, what are they going to do? Put Rashford up front? Most probably. And then that just frees up Sancho to play on that wing, along with Anthony. So both of those are really big shots, and I think they're good shots. Um, Julian Alvarez. Julian, Julian Alvarez. But he's a, he's a forward, but yeah. Alvarez, if Haaland gets into you guys think with a Havertz we get the opportunity if someone went down or? Man, I, I would almost, I think I'd rather go Trossard than Havertz, just where they're getting drafted. I think I'd rather gamble on that if someone going down or him just getting, him battling his way in to play. It's because especially if Havertz is playing like an eight and Trossard's playing like ahead of him as like a left winger. How about Almiron from Newcastle if, uh, say, Isaac goes down? Yeah, I mean, Almiron's pretty exciting it just it's i think for him it's always just a matter of is he gonna get enough games right and, and like is he gonna start enough games he seems like he comes on a lot as like a sub as like a impact player and then he scores like a great goal but it's because he came on in the 65th minute and ran past three people yeah he had a great start to last season like, and then it just tailed off after the world cup he, he couldn't get his form back but almond's been at newcastle so long he's like a, a staple over there you guys think Newcastle players are going to produce the same numbers they did last year? Because when you look at the their starting 11, almost everyone produced very high at their position. Um, obviously, they had a great year. You guys think it's, it's those players are kind of not risky to, to draft again? You think they're going to be able to produce as a team uh, another um, top four? I feel like it's – I think that's a really good point. I think that you fall into the trap of looking at what happened last season and not looking at what happened like year over year. And – and I think some you over you overvalue certain things because of that. So I don't think I, I agree. I don't think that every single one of them is gonna be like amazing. I think their defense might not be like you know like having Dan Byrne play left back for you all season. Like love Dan Byrne, had him on my team last year was monumental for for me. But like I don't know if he's gonna be the guy. Yeah, I, I think this you know mentioning defense it might be even a good transition to go to our, to our defensive list. And I was. When I was going uh, doing my research, they had um, the, I think their center back was rated top ten last Sorry, year Char, um, yeah. total points. Yeah, which is kind of crazy for a center back. And obviously, they had a, a, a tree pair. He was ranked second. So just those numbers are just I I, I find it hard to believe that they're going to be able to have another season like they did uh, last year. And not only is it it's not just that they're not going to play as well. It's I also think the teams around them got better as well. Just the league overall. Uh, with the additions they've made, so I, I don't think they'll they'll finish top four. Yeah, I feel I kind of agree. I think they're also them playing in Europe is going to make it harder, just because they're just going to have more games. More games, yeah. Also, more expectations. Some players never had expectation to be successful. That also, you know, makes a difference as well. Yeah, but they the the fans have been honestly they when they first got bought they thought they were going to sprout all the way out, but I think they've been like literally coached to understand this is a project. This is for the long term. This isn't just for one season. Like players like Gamares, who I think plays amazing for Newcastle, Pope in goal, which he's he had an amazing season. He was a good goalkeeper before, but having a good defense in front of him is improving. Um, you're talking about Trippier. Is he going to perform again? He's been performing for years. I don't see him dropping off. Um, they added they added Barnes, which is a little bit of depth to help him out. I know they just got rid of Maximum to. to but that didn't really do anything for him. Perfectly honest, that guy had no contributions, wasn't able to get the ball in the box. 
another one that just like to wave his feet around and try to draw around players. I think they're building an idea at Newcastle, uh, a, a different way of winning um, and playing solid in the back and then building from the back to the front. So I think they're going to have uh, another good season. I think it's not a bad shout to actually have a few of those players. You're not going to have every single one of them, but I think Grimar is having another good season. Isaac, Trippier, Pope, Sharp, Botman. I think they're all good players to have in your team. Yeah, I think that I think the defense is where I kind of agree with you on the, the midfield and attack. I think the defense is where I wouldn't I wouldn't be looking at other than Trippier. I wouldn't be looking at their defenders as like trying to draft them super high. No, I'm not high. Yeah, I think that's. But I agree with you. I think with their forwards. So I my, I was kind of starting to look at like the defenders, and you know, outside of that, like you know, obviously when you look at the defenders, it's Trent and Trippier, Kieran Trippier, and uh, Trent Alexander Arnold are like. You know, they're in their own level. They're in their own kind of stratosphere as defenders go. And then there's like those, and then there's like five or six names that are like either good or right or left back. So you're interested in like the Reese James, Luke Shaw, uh, Stupian from Brighton, Pedro Poro potentially, Andy Robertson, Ben Chilwell. And then after that, kind of like those eight guys, like I- I'm kind of like everything else is just like a soup to me. Just like so a, Luke Shaw, John Stones. Yeah, like Shaw, Shaw. Shaw's in that good group, but like the John Stones, Van Dyke, Shaw, and then you get it's like I just feel like there's not a lot of outside of those like eight right and left backs. There's just not a lot of people that I'm like excited about, and I guess part of that is there's two things. One is there's less teams playing in a wing back system than there has been. So in the last few years, teams like Tottenham, Chelsea, Brighton. All are playing with wing backs, so these guys are getting way higher up the pitch and making way more goal contributions. That's happening less. The other thing is that the the like left back or the right back is dropping into like a CDM position more, which is then forcing the other back on the other side to play more central and a lot not allowing them to get as high. So I think like I'm kind of to what I'm asking you guys is do you feel like defenders the left like in the past we were so reliant on left backs and right backs? Do you feel like we are still as reliant on them? It's only going to be if they're actually in a good team that doesn't concede goals. So not relying as in I'm going to pick them in my first eight, maybe even 10 picks. They might go as far as pass to my 11th pick. Because just like goalkeepers, unless they're an elite goalkeeper, I'm not going to pick them up because I don't know if they're going to let in goals. Like Pope is probably, honestly, he's probably going to be one of the top three along with Allison, Edison and goal. But every other goalkeeper after that, is just a, is is Russian roulette. I don't know how many goals they're going to let in that game. You know what I mean? Same with the defenders. How many of those? How many of those centre backs or winger, right wing back, left left wing backs are going to have clean sheets and going to give you that extra point at the end of the game? Um, you're going to get more con- more points from your midfielders and your forwards, and they're the ones you're going to go for. Uh, yeah, and defenders. It's the I think it's the easiest position to kind of have a rule rule. I just kind of pick and choose the matchups, play the matchups. There's always defenders on there you could pick, like someone like. Varon might be, you know, available in like the later rounds. You could just have him on the team. He'll give you like, you know, six, seven, eight points maybe. Uh, whereas I, you rather just, if you're not going to get like the top defenders you picked, you rather just tr- stock heavy on midfielders, forwards, and then just play the matchups on the on the defense. The one defendant that I'm kind of um, curious on is Ser- Sergio Gomez. Um, Man City got him last year. He played like half the year. Um he likes going forward. I don't know. I think if he gets the opportunity to play, I, I think he he would be uh, productive, especially if they play the three defenders and just have like make um, wing backs. I think th- that's uh, that's where he would probably uh, 
uh, be his best position and put up the put up numbers that can be relevant in uh, fantasy. You don't think he's gonna be doing the same thing he did with Stones last season, where Stones was moving up into that midfield? I'm I'm not sure. Just th- this Man City team, I feel like changed the most from the, starting uh, from the main rotation players. So I think Pep is gonna uh, tinker around, see what works for him. I mean, last year, middle of it, he just changed his formation. So it'd, it'd be curious. Again, it's someone that it's like a gamble. I wouldn't draft until like my last two picks, the, the very late rounds. But I feel like. It, it's worth to draft him and like keep him for a couple of weeks. See, he might surprise people and just produce. Yeah, I look at John Stones. I think that's like the, you know, I think John Stones and Trent and Alexander Arnold are doing very similar things, right? Where they're slotting into that CDM role. But I think the difference is is Trent and Alexander Arnold's like a ten times better soccer player, so he's he can spray the ball around. John Stones is good. Don't get me wrong, but like I'm just saying, like what Trent does is like you know he's still creating opportunities where John Stones is like holding the midfield and again you look here did you not see john stones like rushing up the middle of that field a few times yeah, last he, season he, he looked, looked like he looked quality. like the tin man just walking up there he's walking down the elbow <laughs> under the goal doing that you know whereas alexander arnold like yeah. i think in that cdm role is like phenomenal and sprays the ball like crazy creates opportunities where but i still think john stones is interesting i think he's probably of all this because he's getting like so many more touches on the ball I think he's still an interesting player, but I think Alexander Arnold's like the exception, not the rule, as far as as far as that goes. But like, do you guys do you when you look at like full and fullbacks who last year were getting really high up the pitch? Like, I, I I'm not super interested. Like, I just you know as much as I, they're exciting and they're fun to watch. Like, Fulham's a lower level team. I think they're going to struggle this year. I think they've had not the best preseason. Not super interested. That you know, who else is there really? Like Natty Cash on Villa maybe interesting. But as far as like right and left backs, there's just not a lot of people. And I think center backs is such a crapshoot because like every year we've played, there's different center backs that are like in the top, you know, in that like that finish highest. It's, there's, it doesn't seem like there's like a total level of consistency from center backs. Like, you know, you're going to get. Yeah. For center backs, you just play the, let's say if, you know, it's a good team playing against the lower seed team. You just draft, uh, play them. You know, they're going to win, ho- hopefully a clean sheet, but as far as like contrib- contributing goals, assists is very, uh, very low. I'm telling you right now, I'm not putting more than three three defenders on my team. I've learned my lesson from last year. I'm not putting more than three defenders on my team unless they're like four or five of the best defenders in the league where they've got clean sheets left, right, and center. Yeah, I think so. Then, with that kind of thought in mind, like if you don't get one of those top eight guys, you know, I think like I think to me, like that eight spot, like that Pedro Poro, Andy Robertson, Ben Chilwell, and there's like a line. And then everyone after that, I'm kind of like, eh, like I'm not going to waste a pick. And then are you like, are you good to wait until like the sixth, seventh round before drafting a defender? Like, would you go seven rounds without a defender? You'd feel good about that? Enzo, Enzo's nodding his head. Tico's uncertain. Well, if I can get if I can get midfielders and forwards that are going to be contributing now, free kick takers, set, set piece takers, whoever that is, I'm going to take them over because they have more opportunity to give me points. I'm more likely to get a winger from like from Luton than I am a defender because I know they're going to be running up and down that field, especially against lower teams. They won't be in my first lineup, but at least they'll be in the rotation. You know what I mean? So I don't know a Luton player. Do any of you guys know a Luton player? I just know their stadium's amazing. Have you guys seen, seen their stadium? No, I haven't. You have to go through someone's house, from my understanding, to get into their stadium. <laughs> Not quite, but like pretty much, yeah. The only Luton player that I'm kind of like that's on my radar is that Carlton Morris, who's a forward. He's their striker. He scored like 20 goals last year for them last season. But it's another Pookie. Like, 
Yeah, another Pookie. But those are those are the strikers to me that are interesting. Like someone's going to have to score goals for Luton. Like maybe. I mean, maybe they won't score any goals all season. But uh, no. But to answer your question, Keith, I, I'm this year. I'm going to go with the same uh, uh, thought process as Enzo. Just play three defenders. No need to play more than that. Yeah, I, the one thing about defenders, it's like it's just it's the clean sheet thing. So you could have a defender could have a great game, but if he doesn't get that those clean sheet points, it's like it's not going to be you're not going to get the, the full value from him. It's tough, tough in that sense. All right, I think we're just about out of time. This was episode three of Draft Offsides. I'm with Tico and Enzo. My name is Keith, and thanks for listening.